When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Greetings and welcome to another episode of From John to Justin, where I started out looking at every prime minister in Canadian history, and we're right in the middle of every opposition leader who never became prime minister, but we took a break from that because an election was called. So right now I'm doing 36 election episodes in a row to coincide with our 36-day election period. If you want to support the podcast, you can for as little as $3 a month. Just go to patreon.com slash CanadaEHX. You can also donate to the podcast by going to CanadaEHX.com and clicking Donate. Don't forget, I have three other podcasts out there. Canadian History X, which releases every Wednesday and Saturday. Canada's Great War, which releases every single Sunday. And Coast to Coast, which releases every single Thursday. I do all of these full-time. The writing, the research, everything. I do it every day, all day. And it's a lot of work. So, any dollars you give help keep it all going. And I'll make sure to thank you on the air and throughout my social media. If you like, you can email me at craig at canadaehx.com. You can find me on Twitter. My handle is Craig Baird, C-R-A-I-G-B-A-I-R-D. And I'm on Instagram at Bairdo37. When 1949 came along, both of the major parties in Canada were now led by new individuals. The Conservatives had forced out John Bracken out of his leadership role in 1948, and in his place was George Drew, the former Premier of Ontario, who led his provincial party to one of its biggest election wins ever. At the helm of the Liberals was Louis St. Laurent, a former prominent minister in the cabinet of William Lyon Mackenzie King. He'd been a successful corporation lawyer and served as both Minister of Justice and Minister of External Affairs. This was the first election since 1920 that King would not be leading the party, and many wondered if success would continue for the Liberals, who would govern Canada since 1935. The election would also be the first in which Newfoundland citizens were voting, after the island had joined Confederation in March of 1949. The Northwest Territories were also represented, for the first time since 1904. Not only would over 1,000 candidates put their names forward in the election, a record at the time, but there were an additional 1 million voters in Canada, which included 600,000 more native-born Canadians who came of age between 1945 and 1949. There were also 25,000 wives of servicemen who came over from England, another 62,000 people who were naturalized citizens in Canada, and Newfoundland added another 170,000 residents. Chinese and Japanese Canadians also both finally received the vote in 1947 and 1948. While in civilian life being Chinese was a liability, in wartime it was their biggest asset. As long as they were in uniform, Chinese soldiers were even allowed to vote. And when they returned home, their ethnicity once again became a liability. Their status gone, they could no longer vote. They said, look, 
our boys were willing to sacrifice their lives. They were making great contribution to defend democracy, to defend the country. So it's about time, you know, the government should change its attitude and, uh, you know, grant us civil rights. So in 1947, that's exactly what happened. I'm proud of it. So I'm a Canadian now. It's a very significant event because it sort of changed the face of our community altogether, elevated our status for one thing. From, you say elevated it from our what? status from second class citizenship status to equality. In 1947, it just wasn't Chinese Canadians that got the right to vote. It was all Canadians of Asian descent, Koreans, Japanese, and Indians. And for that, we have the Roaring Ma's and the Harry Ho's of this country to thank. For Broadcast One, I'm Sudha Krishna. St. Laurent was seen in Canada as calm and dignified and referred to as Uncle Louis due to his kind nature around children. One newspaper would write about his appeal with children, stating, quote, They flock around him at stations. They chase the train. They climb onto his motor car. They think he is terrific and he handles them as if they were his grandchildren. After watching the show, one liberal was remarked, the voting age ought to be lowered to 12. End quote. St. Laurent was seen as so popular that the party didn't even run on any issues, but would state that its focus for the upcoming election would be unity, ensuring high employment and income for Canadians, health insurance, social welfare, and the rights of labourers. One liberal was quoted in McLean speaking on the popularity of St. Laurent. He would state, quote, The man has won the affection of this party more than any leader I ever knew. We don't want him to fail. We'll win for him if we possibly can. St. Laurent's our best man by head and shoulders. If he goes down, the party's decapitated, and at his age, he's got to win this year or not at all. St. Laurent would visit his hometown of Compton, Quebec, where he was met with a large reception of people that greatly impacted him. With tears going down his cheeks, he would state, quote, After all the emotions which I have experienced today are the most thrilling that can come to the human breast. End quote. Such displays of openness greatly appealed to Canadians, further improving his image across the country. Drew, despite being a popular premier and a veteran of the First World War, was seen as abrasive and had a style that many voters did not like. When a Gallup poll around the time of the election asked who did the best job for his party, St. Laurent won with 62%, while Drew only had 9%. Drew would begin his campaign on May 21st, heading to Western Canada, before eventually circling back to tour through Ontario and Quebec. While the Liberals would run essentially on no issue, the Conservatives and Drew had trouble finding an issue to focus on. In his first campaign speech, Drew stated that he would work with the provinces and fight to save Confederation. The next day he focused on curbing socialism, and then the next day was on economics regarding export trade. He would state, quote, I am sure that this problem can be solved. When called upon to assume the responsibility of government, we will immediately take vigorous steps, not only to recapture those Canadian export markets, which we held before, but also to find new markets. End quote. He would also state that the federal government had overtaxed the Canadian people $1.5 billion during the three years previous to the election. He would state that for every $4 needed last year for the business of the government, $5 was taken from the people through taxes. On May 26, Drew then focused on Social Security, promising a national health program, old age pensions without a means test, and family allowances. In Drew's final radio speech, he would state, quote, 
The basic issue in this election is whether or not we are going to have a return to responsible government with the members of Parliament free to exercise their rights on behalf of the people who elected them. End quote. One unnamed progressive conservative was quoted in McLean's about his hope for, at the very least, a slim majority for the conservatives. He would state, quote, If the thing breaks right, our grandchildren will still be voting conservative. If it breaks wrong, the same grandchildren will be reading about the Progressive Conservative Party in their history books. End quote. The election was lacking in interest among most voters. On June 6, the Ottawa Citizen would report, quote, Unless there is a complete reversal of feeling between now and June 27th, Canada's first peacetime election in 14 years is going to be written in the books as one of the dullest and most apathetic in history. End quote. The newspapers, such as the Ottawa Citizen, would take note of the differing campaign styles of Saint Laurent and Drew. In regards to Saint Laurent, the article stated that he was running a grassroots campaign that was a combination of folksy talks from the platform of a rear train and other things. It would state, quote, Uncle Louis homilies delivers in a quiet and good-humored grandfatherly fashion of sober, high-level speeches on the government's record. End quote. The article continues with Drew, saying he was making slam-bang attacks on the government, speaking with more vigor and intensity and making emotional appeals. It also stated that his campaign was the most spectacular, as Drew was an experienced campaigner. He would compare that with Saint Laurent, which the newspapers said was a more studied in his approach. Even how they conducted their speeches differed. The Ottawa Citizen stated, quote, The Prime Minister speaks frequently from a text, and only at smaller meetings does he speak without notes. Drew has handled practically every speech on the swing down here on an off-the-cuff basis, with a minimum of notes. End quote. Now when you come to decide which party should be entrusted with the responsibility of governing our country, you will want to know what is the record of achievement of each party and how many men of ability it contains. You will also want to know what its policies are and whether they are the best for the people as a whole. When it comes to policy, in most of the constituencies in Canada, the people will have three choices in the forthcoming elections. One of these choices is socialism. I do not believe that many Canadians really want socialism. Not even those I have described as liberals in a hurry. Another choice might be old-fashioned Toryism under a new label. I do not believe that many Canadians really want a return to reactionary Toryism, whatever name it may bear for the moment. I believe the attitude and the policies of the Liberal Party correspond pretty closely with the desires of most Canadians, even of large numbers who do not call themselves Liberals. And I address these words particularly to the million young Canadians who are entitled to vote for the first time. Let me remind you there is a lot more to being really progressive than putting the word progressive in front of the name of a political party. No party has more zeal for social reform than the Liberal Party. Where the Liberal Party differs from the CCF is that we do not want to take things away from those who own them or to put a large proportion of the voters on the public payroll. No party believes more strongly than Liberals do that individual initiative and private enterprise are essential to a healthy, prosperous and progressive nation. 
King, who was in a situation for the first time in 30 years that he'd never been in, in that he did not know what to do on election night. He would write in his diary, quote, I hope no ill fate in elections. It is strange. I hardly feel interested, except as naturally anxious to see party win, but so isolated as not to know with whom or where to share tomorrow evening. I believe the party will win, End quote. As usual, newspapers were divided in their support. During one week of the campaign, the Toronto Star gave five times as much news space to the Liberal Party as it did to the Progressive Conservatives. Conversely, the Toronto Telegram gave five times as much space to the Progressive Conservatives as it did to the Liberals. On June 15th, the Star covered eight Liberal rallies while the Telegram covered none, and instead covered four Progressive Conservative rallies, which the Star ignored. Even when they covered the same event, the newspapers differed. On June 3rd, St. Laurent spoke at a rally in Goderich, Ontario. The Telegram would write, quote, The Goderich Grandstand, which seats about 1,500, was by no means crowded. End quote. Two star reporters gave differing accounts of the event as well. One reporter said there were 2,200 people at the rally, while the others said there were 3,000 people. When Drew spoke in Moose Jaw on June 6th, the Telegram stated he spoke in front of 3,000 people, while the Star said he spoke in front of 1,500 people. The biggest discrepancy was on June 20th when Drew met supporters at Quebec City's railway station. The Star said that 400 people came to greet him, while the Telegram said 3,000 people came to greet him. There was some truth to this, though. On the campaign trail, while Drew would rent out the Glebe College Auditorium and Massey Hall, St. Laurent rented out Maple Leaf Gardens. On May 30th, the Liberals received a bit of good news when the Liberal Party in Newfoundland won a landslide victory in the province's first election since joining Confederation. The party took 17 seats compared to the Progressive Conservatives, two. With such a complete win, the Liberals were sure of victory there in the federal election. One event that had an influence on the election, at least in Quebec, was the asbestos strike at Thetford Mines. On February 4, 1949, 5,000 workers at four asbestos mines walked off the job, demanding a raise, a limit to the illness-causing dust, paid holidays, and more. Maurice Duplessis was the leader of the Union Nationale, a conservative-leaning party, and he supported the employers against the strikers, and as premier, sent in provincial police. The strike would be resolved on July 1, 1949, but it would cost the Conservatives support in the province, aiding the Liberals. One man who supported the workers was Pierre Elliott Trudeau, who would be blacklisted by the provincial government and unable to teach at the University of Montreal as a result. J.A. Hume of the Ottawa Citizen would theorize that the Liberals would win the election with a majority predicting the party would take 157 seats, while the Conservatives would have 61. As it turned out, he was right about the majority, but way off on how many seats the Liberals would win. In the June 27, 1949 election, the Liberals crushed all competition in the election, gaining 73 seats and finishing with 191. This was the largest majority in Canadian history to that point, and even today, only 1958 and 1984 involved a party winning more seats. It also remains the biggest election win in the history of the Liberal Party. That massive majority came at the expense of all the other parties which lost seats. No party lost more seats than the Conservatives, though, who fell 24 seats to 41. The Cooperative Commonwealth lost 15 seats to finish with 3, while the Social Credit Party lost 3 seats to finish with 10. Across the entire country, only Alberta had a party win more seats than the Liberals. 
In that province, the Social Credit Party won 10 seats to the Liberals' 5. The two biggest wins in terms of provinces for the Liberals were Ontario and Quebec. In Ontario, the Liberals took 55 seats, while the Conservatives had only 25. Again, considering the popularity of Drew in Ontario, this was a surprising outcome. In Quebec, the Liberals decimated the Conservatives, winning 68 seats to the Conservatives, too. With the election win, St. Laurent became the second Francophone Prime Minister in Canadian history after Sir Wilfrid Laurier. Maclean's would write on August 1, 1949, quote, He was accepted everywhere in Canada as an able, honest, devoted man. The fact that he happens to speak the language and profess the religion of a minority had no relevance. Nothing could show more clearly the maturity and the unity of this nation. Louis Saint Laurent has proved that race or creed have nothing to do with success in Canadian politics if a man is a good Canadian. Saint Laurent would say on election night, quote, The decisive verdict you have rendered will strengthen the government in carrying out the program we laid out before you during the election campaign. I wish to repeat the promise, which is my only election promise, to give you the best service which I am capable. End quote. King was happy to see Saint Laurent take such a huge election win, and he would call Saint Laurent upon hearing the election win, and he relates in his diary, quote, I told him it was his victory, his campaign had done it. I told him I thought of the day he came to the library to talk over entering government, and our days at San Francisco, when it seemed like defeat for him in Quebec, and his decision in mind to stay on and fight, and said how well earned and merited the victory was, end quote. King would also release a statement on election night, stating, quote, Naturally, I am delighted with today's victory of the Liberal Party. Too much credit cannot be given to the Prime Minister, Mr. Louis St. Laurent, for the splendid leadership he has given the country and Parliament since his appointment to office and throughout the campaign just concluded. End quote. Drew was less happy about the election. He would state, quote, We will start immediately to build a strong party for the service of our country, the Progressive Conservative Party has a great role to play in the future, as it has in the past. End quote. As for King, he would not live to see another Canadian election. He would pass away just over a year later, on July 22, 1950. I hope you enjoyed that episode and my look at the 1949 election. If you enjoyed the episode, please consider giving a rating and review. If you like, you can email me at craig at canadaehx.com you can find me on Twitter. My handle is Craig Baird, C-R-A-I-G-B-A-I-R-D, and I'm on Instagram at Bairdo37. Again, if you like, you can support the podcast through Patreon. Just go to patreon.com slash CanadaEHX. You can support the podcast for as little as $3 a month. You can also donate to the podcast by going to CanadaEHX.com and clicking Donate. And I'd like to say thank you to all of my wonderful patrons, and if I mispronounce any names, I do apologize. Matthew Gartho, Lionel Romaine, Dr. Bob Turner, one anonymous person who I really appreciate, Randy Hayden, Doug Campbell, Reg W., Deborah Carlson, Francis Helbling, Nick Zinri, Shannon Marshall, Clinton Martinez, Dimitri Chauve, Aaron O'Hara Myers, Robert Dunseith, Todd Casey, Catherine Roy, Luke Guess, J.P. Bear, Jason Hall, and Iris Gray. Information from Library and Archives Canada, Dynasties and Interludes, Wikipedia, Maclean's, Ottawa Citizen, Canadian Encyclopedia, and the Vancouver Province. Thanks. We'll see you again next time.